Welcome back to Tell Me About It. Today's episode is all about IVF in vitro fertilization, and I'm talking to Alexis Fuchs, who's just started her journey with IVF and has been trying to conceive for the past two years. We talk about misconceptions, myths, her overall journey, the costs associated with IVF, and more. So sit back and enjoy the episode. Okay, so hi, Lexi. Thanks for coming on. Hi, Nina. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so today I'm happy to discuss your journey with IVF, um, kind of talk all about that. Just to start things off, do you want to just tell us exactly what IVF is? I'm sure most people know about it, but just to kind of get into that process of it. So IVF is in vitro fertilization, and it is something that is necessary if you're having difficulty getting pregnant. So we were referred to a fertility clinic and they look at your case and your hormone levels and everything, and then they diagnose you and they prescribe you a certain set of medications. So they're given medications to stimulate your uh, follicles and your ovaries to mature mm-hmm. so that it can produce um, eggs, as many eggs as possible, as many follicles as possible to produce as many embryos as possible. So um, once you go through that process to take those medications, uh, you go through a harvesting um, at their clinic and they take your eggs and your husband's sperm on the same day and they basically fertilize it there. So you can let Mm -hmm. it take a natural course is my understanding, or it's something called ICSI where they can actually insert the sperm right into the egg and fertilize it. And so then a few days later, They'll take those embryos and they call it the transfer. So they'll insert it into your uh, womb and, you know, hopefully conception will take place. Do you know what the success rate is typically? You know, I don't know, but my doctor in my specific situation had let me know that I had about a 33 to a 35% chance of success rate. Hmm. That's not very much actually (laughs) for like how much you pay for it. I feel like it should be higher than that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I felt like for some, whatever reason at the time when I was told that I, I was feeling okay about it. And then I um, was looking up success stories online and, you know, came across a lady who was told she had 60% chance. And so I kind of felt a little deflated after reading that article. And I just not going to look for those stories anymore because it kind (laughs) of had a a backfire for me um and what is the like harvesting and insertion process like like is it painful at all um I don't know that part of it um so with my IVF round that I went through I unfortunately didn't get to that point so the drugs Mm -hmm. that I was taking uh that were meant to stimulate my follicles did not um, grow. So they were about a third of the size of what they needed to be in order to harvest. Okay. Yeah. So what I do know about it from looking it up is um, you're given drugs. And again, so I can't really speak if you're fully sedated or not, but I do remember it saying like that it can feel a little bit uncomfortable, but I don't really want to speak to it because I haven't been through it. For sure. Um, I guess we should kind of get into more of like your story. And if you don't mind sharing, like, why did IVF become an option for you and why you decided to try it out? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my husband and I, um, we 
got married in July 2018. So we started trying in um, October of 2018. So I was 36 at the time. Mm-hmm. And I can honestly say, I think I just took it for granted that I could get pregnant. I just, I felt young and healthy at the time mm-hmm. and still do, but um, I just thought it wasn't going to be this way. Right. So yeah. Um, yeah, so we tried uh, for about, I would say, six to eight months on our own. And it just wasn't happening. So we went to our doctor and, you know, got tested and, you know, just kind of a checkup with, you know, bloods and um, blood tests and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. And so then the results came back and my doctor let me know that my hormone levels were um, indicating that I was perimenopausal, which is quite young for my age, but so again, very, um, very surprising and just a lot of disbelief. And so she suggested due to those hormone levels that she would send us, um, to be referred to the fertility clinic. So then there's a waiting game in there, right? So then you have to wait a couple months to, to actually get in, to have that first initial meet and then you have that and they send you for more tests to confirm other things, mm-hmm. you know, things like tubal blockage and your ovaries. And um, so you go through a, a bunch of procedures that way. And then you wait another couple months to kind of like go over those results. And from there, so it was presented to us after the everything came in that we could either do um, IUI, which is Basically, you take your husband's sperm and you take a drug to force your, your body to ovulate and hmm. the sperm is inserted in you at a time higher up so okay. that it doesn't travel as far um, or IVF. And at the time, to be honest with you, during that meeting, uh, you know, it's, it's quite a whirlwind to actually, I even feel emotional now, like feeling, you know, talking about it. Oh, for but, sure. Yeah. Um, you it's a lot of emotions that come through. So I can't remember at the time what she told us the percentages were um, IUI versus IVF, but um, you know, there's quite a cost difference. And so I think that we decided at that point to try the IUI route first, Mm -hmm. um, just given the cost. And I think we were still very hopeful that we could just conceive on our own or, that IUI would be enough, but I did later learn that it was about 8% chance to conceive with IUI and 35% chance with IVF later that summer in July of 2020, I guess. And um, Mm -hmm. yeah, I just, so I don't remember if she told us those. I don't remember if I asked. Again, it's, um, you hear all of this information, your mind is just, mine was anyway, just kind of. Yeah foggy and ungrounded so yeah that's where we decided to go with the IVF you know regardless of cost and everything then that you know the most important thing uh, becomes just having a child for sure Mm -hmm. Um, let's talk a little bit about that cost do you mind sharing like what that difference was between the IUI and IVF Yeah. yeah it um if I can remember correctly in the office, we were told that it was going to be around, it could be around 18 to 20,000 for IVF. Uh, she said, mm-hmm. just given my situation at the time, 
for my ultrasounds, they could only find one or two follicles, which is, is not ideal. They definitely want to see more than that for mm -hmm. harvesting. Um, and because I had so little follicles and, and just my hormone levels, they had already informed me that I would be on the highest dose of medications. So um, the more medication, I guess, the more costly it is. Um, and IUI, I want to say was around 1500. But again, oh, wow. it was a while ago. Um, so I can't it's a big difference. <laughs> it was around. It was a big difference, which is why we wanted to try and pursue IUI to start with. Yeah, yeah. I've always heard IVF was around 20 grand or so. So in the end, um, with our the cycle that we just completed, I would say with the drugs and the procedure, it was around fifteen thousand. Okay. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and did they tell you, like, is there a reason why, say, your hormone levels were so low and no, like nothing that you did to cause that? It's just kind of your natural chemistry. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, they didn't say they just there wasn't really a lot of information there. And, and looking back at those meetings, I guess, you know, just like a first time and not knowing what to expect, not knowing what to ask. I yeah. I just don't know if I asked the right questions, but they also weren't forward and, and giving me, you know, kind of inf giving me informed just to, so that I can make an informed decision, I guess. So, and I get, you know, there's probably a wide variety of reasons, you know, every person is different. Every woman's body is different. And yeah, no, it's all I could say is that it's just possible in some women to be that mm -hmm. way. So, yeah. So that's where it kind of, you where the the ungrounded journey starts where you start googling right which can be your worst enemy um oh. trying to find out you know and the thoughts come in you know from that egoic place of like what's wrong with me why didn't i try what could i have done you know all of these things that we beat ourselves up with that we really shouldn't be yeah google's the worst for that <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah um, are there like certain things or like, can anyone be a candidate for IVF or are there certain things that won't allow you to do it? Well, I would, I, I'm not really sure in that regard, but I mean, I can only speak from my own experience that even though I was somewhat of a candidate to go through, mm -hmm. um, I couldn't complete the procedure because I wasn't, my body was not reacting with the medications. Um, but I would imagine, yeah, like if you just have no follicles, you know, that they can find, or if your egg reserve is very low. So my anti-malarian hormone was low. So that kind of, that number dictates and kind of gives you an idea of what your egg reserve looks like. And mine was very low. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a, I don't know if it's a myth or not, but I've heard that people say that like twins or triplets are more common with IVFs. Have you heard that? Yeah. I mean, we were kind of, you know, bracing ourselves for that possibility going down that road. Mm -hmm. And I think the reason being is, is cause you know, they're going to insert at least a couple embryos inside. So, um, uh, during the transfer. So both, if both of those were to take, um, yeah, it could definitely produce that. So yeah, I think what I, from what I know is that 
the more embryos you put in the higher risk there is. So it's, I think they're cautious about how many they're actually going to place. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. So moving on to some of the questions I received from my Instagram, um, we're going to start with someone asked, do you experience pregnancy announcement jealousy of those it comes easily to? Um, I would say I did not feel jealous, but over that time it, it, it can wear on you. And I was always mindful about that because I have also, you know, just through Instagram and reading other women's stories, um, hearing their heartbreak. I wouldn't say that my heart broke seeing those announcements, but you, I felt, you know, just a little deflated as time goes on mm-hmm. through this whole process. Um, just like, oh, kind of like, when is it my turn? Or is this even yeah. going to happen for me? But I would say the most impactful part for me was actually my husband and I, um, at the beginning of December, we were out for a hike near Castle Mountain in the Rocky Mountains there. Mm-hmm. And we were coming back down and there was a couple hiking up and the lady was pregnant and she looked to be about I don't know, maybe six months pregnant. Um, And at first I was just like impressed. And I just thought, wow, like she just did this hike. That's amazing. Like, I can't wait to Mm -hmm. do that. As that sank in, it just um, that made you sad. Yeah. Yeah. That, that broke my heart for sure. Yeah. Um, Just because I could see like them living a life that I wanted to live. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely hard. Yeah, sorry. (laughs) No worries at all. You know, it's an emotional topic and you have such a connection to it. So you're definitely allowed to be sad about it. Um, But another question I do want to move on to. Are there any misconceptions about IVF Mm. that you have? Well, mine, I guess in my own personal experience was that I just, I mean, I knew that it wasn't a sure thing. But mm-hmm. I guess for me, I didn't, I didn't expect to be ca- for it to be canceled. Right. You know, just, I just thought I would my, you know, kind of as I did at the beginning of all this, you know, trying to get pregnant, I just kind of took it for granted. Oh, I'm going to get pregnant. And so I'm a positive person as well. Mm-hmm. And through this process, you also want to have a lot of hope. And so I just, again, I think, you know, looking back at that, I, again, just kind of took it for granted that, and I just kind of thought, well, of course you'd make it through the whole procedure yeah. and it would be, is it going to take, or is it not going to take? So yeah, I kind of went through that again, where I was just kind of blindsided that that was a possibility mm-hmm. and um, that you just don't even get to the part of being, you know, going through the harvest or, or any of that. So that was a bit you know, I felt a bit defeated in that again. And and again, those same feelings come up again around like, well, I just did everything right. You know, like yeah. I ate and I was positive. I meditated, I worked out, you know, you do all of these things for self-care and work hard around your, you know, like your mental state. And then to be to that point of, you know, to be canceled that way, it was definitely the most devastating part Mm -hmm. of the 
Oh, for sure. Yeah, I can't can't imagine that. Mm-hmm. Was adoption ever an option for you? It was. Um, so when we first found out, like even before we went to the fertility clinic, my husband and I talked right away, you know, because you know the odds and, and everything. And so that it's not a sure thing. And mm-hmm. but we just thought, okay, well, no matter what is going to happen, we're going to have a kid for sure, whether that means adoption. And so that kind of just makes you feel good at the time. Like, okay, I'm going to have a family no matter what, but as you go through this process, um, you just so badly want to have your biological child. So it was definitely an option, but I can honestly say I wasn't and I'm probably still not happy with that option. Like it does, I, it kind of makes me a bit angry uh, at the thought of that. So after the canceled IVF, we were told, you know, like to try a different procedure with a lower dose mm-hmm. um, and just see if my body reacts to that. And they said, and if that doesn't work, then it's either using a donor egg or adoption. And at the time, both of those options um, hurt they so but I just knew you know I'm not at that point yet um I don't want to accept that not to say that it's a wrong or a bad uh, bad path to go because obviously it's not and there's many people out there that do adopt and have used donor eggs and are very happy mm-hmm. um but I just trusted in myself that if it were to come to that point that I have what it takes to process that and embrace it yeah so it was an option but i don't want to say it's like, oh, well, it's, you know, if you can't have your own kid, it's not a big deal. Cause then you can use a donor egg or you can for go to sure. adopt have your family. It's, it's, it's not that easy to get there for me anyway. It wasn't. And you're allowed to feel that way too, you know? So I think everything will definitely happen the way it's supposed to in the end. And yeah. Yeah. I'm a strong believer in that. And mm-hmm. yeah. What advice would you give to those just starting their journey with IVF or having troubles conceiving? I would say to really just start with getting present with yourself and looking to see um, what your feelings, thoughts, and emotions are, because you don't know how long this journey is going to take. Um, I've been through, you know, going at it for just over two years now, but I've read articles where women are five, seven years. And I just, I can't imagine there's a lot of, you know, hope and then going through the procedure and, and hopes dashed. So then you got to pick yourself up again to go through another procedure um, and going through all the waiting. So you're definitely the foundation of that process. So I would say, reflect on it, see where you're at and, and see how it, affects you how it's impacting you if it if you feel you know helpless and um out of control Mm -hmm. Um, you're finding yourself googling a lot or looking outward for answers to try and fix I would say just go in and with those feelings and give space and time to process them so that you can choose who you want to be and Mm -hmm. how you want to be on that journey because it can consume you so you know, you're just, you're kind of already in like a mother mode, I guess you could say, because you learn this news and then you're going to do everything you can to try and and create a family or, you know, add an addition to your family. Oh yeah. Um, 
so yeah, just get present and be conscious and aware of what is going on the, in the, in the inside, because I'm also a strong believer. If you have, you know, that calmer grounded feeling, you're more clear on making your decisions. You're more connected to your intuition because it's not always, you know, the be all end all of whatever that doctor is giving you as a diagnosis. So, um, you know, listen to them, hear them, and then take that information and process it your, for yourself and don't give up hope. And um, something that I heard a while back in a song, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't remember the song, I don't remember the words, but it was very impactful for me. And it just, the, the phrase was, is that you, um, you don't have to give up to let go. It's mm, beautiful that really helped me because it's, um, you can have such a strong emotional grip on everything and you kind of lose yourself. You become ungrounded, Mm -hmm. you become reactive. Um, that impacts your relationships, your, you know, with your spouse, um, and your work life, your just overall joy. And, um, so it just kind of invited me to just kind of release, release that emotional grip on everything. And, um, let go of what I can't control, but invite in what I can and empower myself that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to say, I can't imagine the toll it has on your mental health. Are you, how have you managed that? And are there any communities that you're a part of support groups, anything like that? Yeah, I, I'm not a part of any community or I am fortunate to have amazing, um, you know, family and friends who are very supportive and create awesome spaces to, to kind of dive into that. Mm-hmm. So I felt very supported that way. I'm also a life coach. Uh, so I have, you know, the, some coaching skills that I kind of applied to myself, which is where I'm now focusing my niche is to helping women go through um, their fertility journey. Amazing. And um, so it's a lot of work to, to manage that mental health. So I would, it's say, I would say it's a lot of, like I said, being present, getting aware, allowing what is processing and then letting go and growing from there and just kind of regrounding into what, you know, mm-hmm. so that that can like create some self-love and some self-trust in yourself as you move forward. And just like these uncertain times, um, the mental health part of it, I wouldn't say just throw positivity at it, you know, like people are like, oh, just relax, just be positive, because I think you really have to be very careful with that. Um, my friend told me a phrase about, you know, toxic positivity. Mm-hmm. Um, and where so you can say positive things, you can appear to be positive and do positive things. But if your emotional state on the inside is not being taken care of, that's what's driving it's so and that that can really impair your mental health and so I definitely had some low days and it takes a lot of work and effort and consistency to rebalance and and get back into what you know and and um, so that you can embrace whatever's coming your way but to not give up hope you know mm-hmm. it's, um, so yeah you can be you know I would say there are people out there that are going through this or about to go through it not everybody is going to know exactly what you're going through, even if you can explain it to them. If they haven't been through it, they won't know exactly. Um, you know, I, a lot of my friends and, you know, family and have let me know like, oh, you're dealing with this very well. 
And I do think that I have been. However, it takes work to get to that grounded space where you where you can say, you know, okay, I can accept like this is my journey and how I'm going to have a child and it could take time and I don't know how or when, but I surrender to this and I'm going to just embrace it and just be with it. But it takes it takes work to get there to to battle those what if statements and your brain can definitely, you know, want to beat yourself up, right? Like I my husband and I should we have tried sooner right you know we wanted to get married first and I had this idea of you know fitting in the dress and not having to worry about kids at my wedding and and I you know I looked back at that and thought why didn't I prioritize children first like I you know I was 35 when when we got engaged like why didn't I look into my health sooner why did it you know you can just really beat yourself up but it doesn't help so it takes work to not to buy into those thoughts and to go down that rabbit hole. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think that that was everything that I had for you. Was there anything else that you wanted to discuss or any final words to leave us with? Um, no, those were great questions. I feel like they, they cover it. Um, yeah. I just want to acknowledge all of the women out there that are going through this and who have endured years of this. I, I, you know, like I said, I've been trying for two years and I can't imagine trying for seven and all of those ups and downs. So yeah, I just want to acknowledge those women out there and their bravery and their, you know, they're courageous and strong. So yeah. Yeah, Thank you so much. Um, So you mentioned your life coach. Do you want to tell us, you know, where people could find you if they want to contact you and your Instagram? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So my Instagram is underneath um, Alexis Fuchs. It's Alexis Fuchs Life Coaching. I do have a website. However, it's not geared towards fertility just yet. I'm kind of in the midst of rebranding. Mm-hmm. So um, it is called alexisfuchs.com if you ever want to find my contact information, but you can also find my Instagram there. And the link to that is in my bio. Um, yeah. And I just want to help women through their journey and, and you know, process um, and support them and find out, you know, who do they want to be through this journey? Because it really dawned on me why I wanted to become this coach for fertility um, was just that of, you know, seven years of your life and who are you mm-hmm. during that time and what happens to you over those years through all of that emotional hardship, you know, of just building up your hope and having it not work out and then having to get back up again and and do it all over again. I just, I can't imagine and and the impact of that on, on your life. So I just want to help women go through that journey and help them embrace what's coming along their way in that so that they can live in joy and peace. Amazing. I love that. Well, thank you so much. I know it's a tough emotional topic to talk Mm -hmm. about, but I really appreciate you coming on. And I hope that this can also help other people who might be going through the same thing and maybe connect you to others as well. Yeah. Great. Thank you so much, Nina. That was, this was a great opportunity. Thank you.